last week, we were looking at uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 1 through to verse 6. And the principle of this chapter was where Jesus was teaching his disciples about unforgiveness. In verse 1, Jesus was saying, It's impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him whom through it does come. We are going to have opportunities in life to get hurt. We are going to be offended by what people say, what people do. And it can get to us. And it can result in bitterness forming inside of us. And unforgiveness. Deep hurts. And we're not minimizing at all those hurts. Please don't get me wrong. They are real to you and to others. But Jesus has got a suggestion here. A solution to get rid of the pain that we experience. He goes on in verse 6 to say, um, I have, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the sycamine tree, Be pulled up by the roots and planted into the sea and it will obey you. Jesus is looking at this tree and he's saying this tree is very similar to unforgiveness and he came up and we saw four characteristics of a sycamine tree that we looked at last week. First of all, we saw that a sycamine tree has a fruit, it's a fig, a sycamine frig, fig. Now I only have a lemon, but a sycamine fig was bitter to eat. So if I eat this, this lemon or the sycamine fruit, it, it's tart, it, it, it's bitter, and I can't eat it in one sitting. I need to come back to it. And that's so often what happens when we have hurt and resentment in our hearts. We keep coming back to it. We think about it over and over, and we, we taste the fruit, especially late at night uh, when we go to bed and your brain's just ticking over, and you think, you know what they did to me was really unfair. That was nasty. What they wrote about me on social media, that wasn't good. And, and you start, and you build on it and build it and the fruit that develops in your life is bitter and it can make us bitter as Christians too. And that bitterness causes hurt and the unforgiveness is hurtful inside of us. The second thing that we saw was that a sycamine tree was pollinated by wasps. The wasp would take its stinger and put it right into the heart of the fruit. And that's how that tree was pollinated. But at the same time, it would also put its eggs in there. So when the eggs would hatch, they would be, have fruit on which to feed. Oh man, forgiveness, unforgiveness and bitterness is just like that. When we allow ourselves to get stung by people, what they say and things that people have done to us, it grows and it festers in our hearts and can multiply. And in fact, it can even breed and move on to others as we infect others around us. Then the third thing we saw was that a sycamine tree has very deep root structure. It goes right down into the earth. So even if you eliminate the tree at its base and you cut it down, you rip the branches up and, and, and you, you chop it down, but a couple of weeks later, because of the nutrients and the water source underground, it can grow again. So we need to make sure that we take the unforgiveness and bitterness out of life from the root, right out of our hearts. And it's so important because it can kill you. And that was the fourth thing that we saw last week. The wood that was coming from the sycamine tree was used to build caskets, coffins. And that's death, isn't it? And it, it shows us that if we tolerate unforgiveness in our lives and bitterness in our hearts, ultimately it's going to kill our relationships around us. It's going to even kill us. We saw there one of the professors saying that bitterness in our hearts, when we tolerate it, can actually have a negative impact on our health, both mind, soul and body. So it's so important for us to make sure we eradicate unforgiveness and bitterness in our heart. But when I was reading verse 4, listen to this of chapter 17 in Luke, it says, And if anyone sins against you, 
seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you will forgive him. My first thoughts when I read that, I say, isn't then forgiveness conditional? If he comes and says, I'm sorry, then I only have to forgive. So I have an out, I have an excuse as why I do not have to forgive that person because they need to come and say sorry. Now, I need to just back up here and explain something. When Jesus was uh, walking around and telling them this story and the teaching here, there was recorded twice, one by Matthew and one by Luke. And Matthew and Luke both heard the story that Jesus said, and they reported on different aspects of the story. So we, to get a complete picture, need to actually look at Matthew chapter 18 and Luke chapter 17. And when we look at both these chapters together, you'll get a good idea of what the scriptures are talking about. So I want to just flick over to Matthew chapter 18 and just pick up a couple of little thoughts here for you. Jesus here in verse 2 says, calls the little child and says, come here, I want to show you, and starts teaching his disciple using this child as an illustration. And then in verse 6 starts talking about offense, just like Matthew's, uh, Luke 17 verse 1 was. So Jesus is teaching them on offense and says, woe to you if you offend any of these little ones. It is better, it's going to be like a millstone put around your neck and thrown into the sea. Then he carries on and it's, uh, Matthew records here dealing with a sinning brother. And in this case, this is where a brother steals or does something quite seriously wrong. <clears throat> and we need to now discipline that person. And we need to go to them and say, what you did or what you said is incorrect. You need to repent from that sin. And if they don't listen to you, the Bible says then you bring two or three witnesses. And if they still don't listen to you, you bring it to the church. So this is a procedure that we follow with severe sin. And I think that's where in Luke's Gospel 14 it says, if he repents, up to seven times in a day, you still have to forgive him. But Jesus carries on with a story in Matthew 17, 18 that's not recorded in Luke's gospel. And I just want to just quickly point out a couple of things here. Peter was the guy who came up to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall I, if my brother sins against me and I forgive him? How many times? Up to seven times? And Jesus says in verse 22, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So there we see now a new story. This isn't just re uh, rebuking a sinning brother. This is how many times we need to forgive. And Jesus tells a very important story here. He tells a story of a king who has a servant. And this servant owes up to 100 million pounds. Uh, they said it was 10,000 uh, talents. But in today's money, it's, it could even be up to a billion. They say uh, it's a large sum of money. The point is, it's unpayable. The debt is so big, nothing that servant could have done would have paid it off. So the king says, right, we're going to sell you, your family, your kids, your belongings in, into slavery and we'll start to recoup those costs. And he begs for mercy and says, my Lord, please forgive me. And the master has pity on him and has mercy on him and forgives him of that big debt. Anyhow, that servant goes out and catches a fellow friend, a fellow servant who only owed him 100 days wages, a small amount in comparison. And he takes him and throws him into prison until he had paid every last penny. Well, the friends of this evil servant here saw what had happened, the injustice of all of this, went to the king and reported him and said, King, this isn't right. And the king was fuming. And the king calls the servant in and says, I forgave you of a huge debt. Shouldn't you have at least forgiven somebody who owed you a little? And the king lets him go to the torturers. Now, a couple of points that I want to bring out here. 
a lot of us would think, hmm, this is to do with salvation. If I don't forgive, God's not going to forgive me. No, in no way does it talk about the king throwing the guy in hell. We are not talking about your salvation here. There's a couple of interesting things. It says there, he was angry and delivered him to the torturers. I want to pick up this in a little bit, a uh, little later, and we'll close this off a little bit. But he, the, the last verse of this uh, story, verse 35, is what I want to focus in on. So my heavenly father also will do to you if you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. This isn't a way of escaping and not having to forgive anybody. This is in fact Jesus saying, my heavenly father forgave you, you must forgive somebody else. We saw in Colossians 3 verse 13, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive everyone who offends you. And Ephesians 4 verse 32, Paul said, be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God has or as Christ has forgiven you. Now if we go back to Luke's gospel, verse chapter 17, and we turn the page to that verse, and the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Ah, now we understand why. You see, we can't escape. We have to forgive. This isn't an out. It's not a condition. We have to forgive seven times a day or 77 times a, times seven a day. That's 490 times in one day. Uh, we have to forgive. And when I think of that, it's like, how can I do this? But Jesus gives us a key. And let's have a look at that again. The disciples said in verse 5, Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this sycamine tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted into the sea and it will obey you. First of all, it says seed, mustard seed, in fact. In fact, the, the Greek word there for seed is synapi, and that refers to the mustard plant, which is the, one of the smallest seeds of all seeds. It's tiny. So Jesus is saying here, it's not the size of your faith that's important. It's what you're going to do with your faith that is so important. We need just a little bit of faith to be able to eliminate unforgiveness and hurts and offenses in our life. Now, the Greek word for speak there is lego. Lego, I, I remember as a kid, we used to play with Lego. You built something. When we start to speak with our words, we start to make things. We, things start to happen. Words are powerful. They're not just insignificant. They don't just disappear into the ether. Words create things. Words are what we use to eradicate unforgiveness, hurts, and bitterness out of our lives. But it's not just any kind of speaking. It's not a casual. In fact, the Greek tense here is very important. The way that that word lego was used, it was used in an authoritative way. It was strongly meant, seriously, a deep felt conviction from inside. It says, you will speak to it and say, go in the name of Jesus. You, you're rebuking it. It's not a, oh, if you want to go and you feel like it, would you please leave my heart? No, this is where you take authority over and say, unforgiveness? Go in the name of Jesus. I'm not tolerating in you, you in my life. Not one moment. Go in the name of Jesus. So we speak authoritatively to it. When offenses come up and, and someone emails you or a text or, or doesn't, ignores you, or something happens in life that offends you, are you going to put this into practice and say, no, I'm letting go. I'm not going to hold that offense. I'm not going to allow that fruit to grow in my life. I'm not going to allow the roots to go down deep. I'm going to let it go. 
when the memories of hurts that have happened to you in your past, possibly even as a child, maybe as a teenager, horrible things people did to you, said to you, circumstances that were out of your control, are you going to say, no, I refuse to meditate and dwell on that anymore. I'm not allowing the fruit of that in my life any longer. I'm eradicating it. I speak to it and say, go in the name of Jesus. I will not think and dwell on that anymore. That's what Jesus was referring to right here. Lastly, did you notice that Jesus said, if you speak to that sycamore tree, it will be pulling it up by the roots and throwing it into the sea. Now, the sea. What a strange place to throw a tree. I was wondering, why, why did Jesus not say, oh, uh, if you speak to the tree, you can throw it onto the tip or into the recycling compost heap? Well, you see, if we put it on the recycling dump or the compost heap, the sycamore tree can regrow and roots can establish very quickly. We need to eradicate that. And as we all know, things don't like to grow in salt water. So when the tree was represented going into the sea, salty water, it killed it permanently. When we start to do this, Jesus is saying, when you speak to that unforgiveness, when you speak to that hurt and that offense that is in your life, and you, it will be as if it was thrown into the sea and it will be dead, never to return. I've got some thoughts for you. Why are you waiting until the pain subsides to do this? How many of us have said, when I feel better about it, when the pain goes, then I will be in a position. Let me just check. No, nowhere does it say here, wait. And when you feel better, then you forgive. It says you need to forgive. Don't wait for an apology. Nowhere does it say when they apologize for that, the person that offended you might be dead already. You need to forgive them. Now, you immediately think, Wayne, that's not right. It's just not right because what they did was wrong. Not I was the one in the right. They were the one in the wrong. They need to repent. There should be some kind of punishment for them. Should, how can they get away with the scot-free? The Bible doesn't say they're going to get away with it scot-free. You see, when you forgive, it doesn't make what they did right. It just makes your heart right. It can't fix them, but it can fix you. When I forgive, it releases me from the pain. Oh, the Bible says, he restores my soul, Psalm 23. When I forgive, God restores. He puts me back to my original state and condition before the offense happened. He restores. Restoration is when you put something back to its original state, the way that God originally created you. He restores your soul. You know, I was thinking about this bitterness and I I, I remembered a story that happened in Numbers uh, 12. Verse 1, you might remember this, Aaron and uh, her sister, Miriam, they took offense at Moses' wife. Go read it. Verse 1, they were offended with whom Moses married. And they were struck down, Miriam was struck with leprosy. And as I thought about that, leprosy, you see, the offense is something in the spirit, but leprosy is something in the flesh, the the physical. There seems to be a link there. And as I started to think about leprosy and bitterness and unforgiveness, there seems to be a correlation there. Listen to this. Leprosy. 
It attacks the nerve endings in our bodies and destroys the body's ability to feel pain and injury. So you could be standing or burning yourself and you're totally unaware because there are no, uh, feeling, there's no feeling in your limbs and that can result in them needing to be amputated or getting ill and uh, disease setting and rot setting in. Isn't that just like bitterness and unforgiveness? Sometimes we do not feel the pain towards each other. Just think of that steward that, uh, that worked for the king when he had his massive debt forgiven. He went and grabbed somebody else. He had no compassion. There was no heart there anymore. He didn't even feel for the poor guy. And he only, only owed him a hundred days wages. Isn't that what unforgiveness and bitterness can do towards us? Leprosy causes our fingers and our toes to become shortened and deformed as the cartilage is actually withdrawn back and absorbed into the body. When we got bitterness and unforgiveness in our lives, we become very introspective. It's all about us. If you ever see someone and you speak to them and they, they really twist with bitterness and unforgiveness in their hearts, all they do is they talk about me. Me. It's all about me. How I was hurt, how I did. This didn't work out for me. It's me, 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 me. And, and that's one of the telltale signs of unforgiveness in our hearts. Leprosy is contagious. It's transmitted primarily through coughing and sneezing. Oh, my goodness. Unforgiveness and bitterness is also contagious. Have you noticed how when somebody's upset with somebody else, immediately they tell somebody. In fact, they use this mob mentality. The more people they can try and tell and get on their side, I need some evidence. I need a crowd behind me. Prove that I am right, you are wrong, and we're going to take you to the courts. We're going to fight this thing. I will prove to you. The Bible doesn't say we need to do that. The Bible says we need to forgive. Leprosy was repulsive to those who saw the person because of the, the defamation that would happen to their bodies and how the white their skin would go like snow. Bitterness and forgiveness actually causes others to be repelled. When, you, when someone carries on like it just about themselves, sometimes we can, oh man, I just, I can't bear to be with them any longer. All the poison that is coming out of them all the time, the bitterness that is coming out, sounds like leprosy. And lastly, leprosy resulted in isolation. Oh yes, the, the people who had leprosy used to live on the dump sites. Doesn't that remind us of those who are battling with unforgiveness? They feed on leftovers. They feed on gossip and skinner. What's this one saying? What's the social media say? They're living on the dumps. Oh, Jesus wants us to be free if we will speak about it. But going back to Luke chapter 17 here, and Jesus was telling about the sycamine tree. But very interesting here. I just want to read one verse. Verse 11. Now it happened as he went through Jerusalem that he passed through the middle of Samaria and Galilee. There he entered into a certain village and he met 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. The very next story that the Holy Spirit allowed Luke to record was about the 10 lepers. They stood afar off. Leprosy. Now, I, 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 give me some preacher's license here. I'm not saying these two stories are linked because it was actually in different villages. But I just thought it was incredible that the Holy Spirit, the very next story, would allow leprosy to be mentioned. Ten lepers. And they, they're standing at a distance and they lift up their voices and they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
And then Jesus goes and says to them, go and show yourself to the priest and he will pronounce you clean. And the story carries on and says, as they went, they were healed. Jesus just asked them to do something small. You know, they could have said, no, 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 Jesus, you got it all wrong. I need the priest to come and, and lay hands on me. No, 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 no. When I feel better, when the, my limbs regrow and when everything is restored, then I go to the priest and I show myself. Maybe they said, no, Jesus, that is stupid. I can't do that. What will people think if I go back to the synagogue and I tell them I'm healed and I'm not healed? All they had to do was do one simple statement, what Jesus said, small things. Didn't we read earlier that if you have faith like a mustard seed, small. Jesus is asking us to do something small. Do we come up with a whole lot of excuses? No, 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 Wayne. When the minister prays for me and we have communion together and we do all this and this ceremony, then I can be free. Maybe you're thinking, no, when the pain has subsided, when I feel better about my condition, then I will forgive them. When the pain has gone, that's evidence that I have forgiven. It doesn't say that. We forgive because Jesus told us to forgive. There's another story in the Bible. Naaman, he also had leprosy. Naaman was a well-to-do guy. He was a great man, the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 5. Highly regarded. Naaman's wife had a servant girl. And she knew about the prophet Elisha. And she said, hey, if he goes to Elisha, Elisha can pray for him and he can be healed. So Elisha arrives, I mean, Naaman arrives at Elisha's house with chariots and horses, the Bible says. Pure old, oh, that must have been some entourage as he arrives at Elisha's house. Pomp and ceremony. Naaman is furious, though, absolutely livid, because Elisha the prophet doesn't even come out to greet him. Elisha sends the servant and says, hey, go wash in the Jordan River, dip seven times, and the leprosy will go. Well, firstly, Naaman is furious because of the insult that the man of God didn't even come to him. And secondly, he says, aren't there better rivers in, in Damascus than uh, this Jordan, this dirty, muddy Jordan? You want me to do something like this? And so Naaman is up and he's off. He's furious. He's going back home. That's not the way I expected it to work. That's not the way healing comes. And thank God for Naaman's servant who says, Master, if he asked you to do a great thing, would you not have done it? But he's asking you to do a small little thing like a mustard seed thing. Just dip in the river. So Naaman does. And he goes and he dips in the river seven times. And the seventh time he comes out and his skin is pure. The leprosy is gone. Oh, how small was that act of faith? When those opportunities arise in our lives, will we speak out and say, no, I refuse to meditate on this. I refuse to allow, I let it go. And even though it doesn't sometimes happen the way we expected, and like Naaman or like the lepers, we just, I trust the Lord. He said, if I speak to this mountain, to this uh, fig tree and to the sycamore tree, and I say, be cast into the sea, and it will obey. So I don't know how it's going to work. I don't have to explain it to you. I have to believe the Bible. I'm just going to do a small thing. And I'm going to say, I refuse to meditate on it. I refuse to dwell on it. I speak to that unforgiveness, that offense, 
And I say, go in the name of Jesus. I refuse to dwell on it. Healing will come. Lastly, one leper out of the ten returns to Jesus. In Luke 17, verse 19, and he says this, Jesus says this to him, says, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith. I, I think that these two stories are linked. Because Jesus had just been saying, if you have small faith, if you will put your faith into action, if you will say and speak to it, it's going to go. And here you can make yourself well just by obeying the words of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you just come into our rooms right now, right into my life now, and would you start to illuminate to me areas in my life that I might have been got offenses and hurts that I've suppressed and I've kept them right down. Holy Spirit, right now, would you, would you help me to forgive? I make a decision right now, Holy Spirit, because you said it here in your word, that if I forgive, I can be free. Lord, I do not want to contain or allow in my life leprous conditions. I get rid of them by forgiving right now. I release this one or that. Whoever's offended me, I release them now in the name of Jesus. That's how easy it is. Friends, Jesus wants us free, totally free. Let it go. Just like that balloon, just let it go. And don't be a lemon.